Do you like talk to yourself? Yeah, I do. That would be fun. That would be interesting to record. Should we discuss the Spielberg thing before we're properly recording, or are you just gonna bring it up and I'll just be reminded? Oh, you'll be reminded. Don't worry. We're gonna talk about it. It's a class called EM Fields and Photons, and I was so excited to learn about photons, and it was like three minutes at the end of the last <laughs> lecture was dedicated to learning about photons. That class sucked. It could have been so cool. Why was it in the title? I, I don't know. Because <laughs> I think, like, if you, depending on who teaches it, you know, they might actually split it 50-50. If you have a sure. bias for photons or against photons. Yeah. Sure. But she was like, well, there's just a bunch of EM Fields. It was all, yeah, it was just about, like... EM it was just literally just like calculating fields. em fields and stuff it was so boring i hated it and then we learned chemistry was a lie yeah chemistry is all just an approximation dan was like okay great that's my major thanks <laughs> okay bye I quit. it was so funny <laughs> <laughs> oh that was a good i one. forgot about that that was a good lecture wasn't that the first one what is the feature-length podcast Anyone? Uh, the Feature Length Podcast is a show where three idiots talk about film and entertainment. Good answer! Hey guys, what's up? <laughs> hey, are you talking to us? Yeah! <laughs> I'm talking to the voices in my head. Like, I truly, I truly don't know. It felt like a fever dream. I swear to God, I could not It sounds so stupid hearing that. If you're listening to this, this is a podcast. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast. Welcome back to the Feature Length Podcast, a podcast where we talk about movies and TV for a feature length of time. In 1919, an American pulp writer by the name of Johnston McCulley created the character known as Zorro. A rich man who uses his wealth as a disguise to fight for and defend the indigenous people of California, all behind the secret identity of Don Diego de la Vega. In 1920, a year after this novel's publication, a movie adaptation was made, The Mark of Zorro, starring Douglas Fairbanks as the titular hero. The success of this film shot Zorro into the mainstream and inspired McCulley to write a total of five serialized stories and 57 short stories about the character over four decades. These are just the numbers of the stories written by the original author, as many other authors also wrote stories containing the character of Zorro during that time period. The legend of Zorro grew even further in this time, with the character appearing in over 40 films and 10 TV series. Of these 40 films, 11 American theatrical features, most notably the 1940 remake of The Mark of Zorro, starring Tyrone Power, and the 1974 remake of The Mark of Zorro with Frank Langella in the starring role. However, during this time, there were also films made in Mexico, Europe, Turkey, and India. It's safe to say that in the mid-20th century, Zorro was one of the most iconic Pulp Fiction characters out there. In 1998, Martin Campbell, hot off of saving the James Bond franchise with Goldeneye, and a handful of years before once again saving the James Bond franchise with <laughs> Casino Royale, was given an insurmountable task to make a modern-day Zorro movie. For even the most skilled of directors, adapting almost a century's worth of material with so many different live-action interpretations and iconic players seems an impossible task. The result is, for me, a movie that not only lives up to the history of the character, but redefined the essence of Zorro in a way so profound it united the entire Zorro fandom. The Mask of Zorro stars Anthony Hopkins as an aged Don Diego de la Vega on his last adventures as Zorro. When his mortal enemy, Don Raphael, strikes a bloke close to his heart, Don Diego vows the rest of his life will be dedicated to revenge. 
Years later, a young Alejandro, played by Antonio Banderas, loses his brother as a result of actions taken by Captain Love, the right-hand man of Don Rafael. Diego, seeing a kindred spirit in Alejandro, takes him in and trains him in the ways of being Zorro, with the hopes that the two of them can exact their revenge and save a lot of people along the way. For me, what makes this film work is a combination of two things that run through the heart of every decision made. A throwback that knows exactly when to be modern. The visual style of the movie is nothing short of classic adventure cinema, akin to the old action serials that we remember, with some visual flair taken directly from the non-American adaptations of the character as well. Not to mention being backed by a James Horner score that is, for me, maybe my favorite score he's ever composed. Oftentimes, people reference how it would be possible to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark with nothing but visual storytelling and John Williams' music and still be fully emotionally invested in the entire story. I would argue this film succeeds on that level as well, with every framing choice being deliberate in telling the story while also feeling like a throwback. This is paired with nothing short of exceptional writing, a two-hour, 20-minute movie that feels like it flies by as the story perfectly interwines multiple character motivations within its plot. Even side characters that you think are one-off reference find ways to re-emerge in the story and provide our central characters with either plot advancement or character-revealing moments. This is my third selection series movie, and it holds an interesting place on the list so far, as it's the only movie I've chosen that is so deeply from my childhood I couldn't tell you when my first viewing was or what my total viewings have been. All I know is that I discovered this movie in an interesting way, which is that I have many first-generation immigrants in my family who did not speak English as a first language, and they all flocked to this movie. They don't even like movies and they flock to it. They saw it in theaters, they watched it when it was on TV. For them, this was the premier movie experience of their lives. Growing up and meeting friends who also had first-generation immigrant families, I realized their experience was the same as well. I think as, a I think as a child, my draw to this movie was the same as those family and friends. The visual storytelling was so profound, it didn't matter that we weren't fully understanding the plot complexities, the emotions in the movie were engaging regardless. Not to mention that the central characters of this, or any Zorro story, are indigenous people of Mexico fighting against the colonization of Spain, a story that many first-generation immigrants who have all dealt with oppression at the hands of the filthy rich can relate to as well. Without any of this context, The Mask of Zorro stands on its own as a premier adventure film and a true four-quadrant movie. It's beautiful, it's fun, it's funny, great performances, wonderful chemistry between characters, whether the emotions are hate, mentorship, love, and a dramatic core that is clear, easy to follow, and always engaging. At its worst, the Mask of Zorro is a wonderfully enjoyable two hours and 20 minutes of cinema, but at its best, The Mask of Zorro is a reminder of what happens when IP are handled by people who care and are allowed to tell the stories they want to tell. It validates every story of Zorro you ever watched or read and provides a new way forward, a way paved by acknowledging what came before, the whitewashing of a character named Don Diego de la Vega, the classic adventure tone and cinematography, not just of American serials, but international ones as well, while literally passing the mask of Zorro to where it should be in the hands of a young up-and-coming Spanish actor led by a talented director in his prime to provide adventure cinema for years to come. Spoiler alert, the sequel to this movie is bad, and the franchise has been dead ever since. <laughs> Fun fact, the sequel to this movie was written by Roberto Orsi and the other fuck's name. Alex <laughs> Kurtzman. Alex Kurtzman. Welcome to the Future Link Podcast, a <laughs> podcast where three friends sit around and talk about movies, TV shows. I am Marco. This is uh, the second episode in our current run of the selection series. Uh, and as you heard in that intro, my pick is The Mask of Zorro from 1998. Um, I pretty much said everything I needed to say in my intro there. So I want to turn it over to uh, Dan and Carol at this point to now give me their thoughts on this movie. I will say, Carol and I did the most recent rewatch for this together. So I already vaguely am aware just by sitting next to her what her thoughts were. So... Dan, 
I Should have I go absolutely first or last? no idea what you're going to say. So maybe we'll save you for last. Okay. So it'll be a complete surprise. Okay. Cool. Please go ahead. <clears throat> so, yes, as Marco mentioned, we watched this film together. And previous to that, I had never seen it. I had heard of it. I knew that Antonio Banderas was Zorro. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of it. I didn't know where the story originated, what had ever been made with Zorro before in books or TV or movies or anything at all. I literally just knew the Z thing. That's all. <laughs> um, so going into this, I was um, I was a bit surprised to have it be like a passing of the torch kind of thing from an older Zorro to a younger Zorro, um, but I did feel like it made the story compelling. Um, I liked that a lot better. Um, I had no idea... Who was the old Zorro again? Anthony Anthony Hopkins. Yeah. No idea he was in it. No idea he's ever played any kind of action hero. When I think Anthony Hopkins, especially like in this day and age, he's just really fucking old. I mean, like, I just... (laughs) I never... He was always old. He was born old. I never imagined him in that kind of role. Well, every other film I've seen him in, he still is already looking kind of old. (laughs) No, exactly, yeah. Yeah. Um, So that was fun and interesting. Um, Yeah, there was a lot of uh, romance that I wasn't expecting. We'll talk about it more later. Marco knows my exact feelings about um, some kissing. Oh my god, we talked so much about the kissing. We'll get into it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, the kissing's a bit distracting whenever yes. it happens, but we'll get there. Purposefully, um, but also still distracting. Yeah, yeah. so anyway, uh, back to talking about Zorro. Yeah. Um, the movie was good. As he said, two hours, 20 minutes. It like pretty much flew by. Uh, it was an action film, which is not always my jam. Um, but overall, I'd say like I liked it. I gave it, I think, three and a half stars on Letterboxd, which like, in my mind, I classify that as something I enjoyed watching. I don't mind that I watched. I'm happy that I watched it, but if I would never put it on again myself. If anyone ever was like, let's watch it while hanging out, I'd be like, sure, it's entertaining enough. Um, yeah, so it was, a, it was a fun story. I didn't know there was going to be any kind of like fighting for the poor disenfranchised yeah. Yeah, like, and we've talked about it, and we'll talk about it, I'm sure, a lot more, but it, it was very, like, Batman-esque in, like, motivation yeah, I have fun and facts relationship about, yeah. and everything like that. Um, so that was interesting to see, uh, and I didn't know that going into it, but obviously now, knowing Marco, it makes so much sense. Um, so, yeah, it was good. I Who would I recommend it to? Probably anyone, I don't know, unless, like, you're really upset with long movies for some reason, don't watch it. Um, but if you're just looking for some kind of action flick that's, like, also really funny, like, I don't see why you wouldn't enjoy watching it at least once. Yeah. Okay. Dan the Man. Um, so my, uh, only experience with Zorro before this was Puss in Boots in Trek <laughs> yes. 2. Yes, mm-hmm. Um. Also played by Antonio. Yeah, of course. I guess you can count that as... <laughs> <laughs> I, I prefer to think of Puss in Boots as the real sequel to this movie. I think the Shrek franchise, I... Somewhere in between, he became a cat. And didn't didn't Shrek two come out the same year that the sequel did? Like they both like if not the same year, it was like the year after. Wow! But it was right next to each other. It's so yeah. crazy to think of like Zorro as like a modern era, yeah, thing because it's so like whatever. That's a whole rabbit hole. Anyway, yeah. Um, <laughs> so this is my first time watching it, any of the Zorro movies, and I really liked it. It was a very fun adventure movie. Um, I thought that. The Mask of Zorro was a sequel 
Or, I mean, I guess it is a sequel, but, like, it's more of a reboot. I thought there was a movie prior to this with Anthony Hopkins as just the main Zorro, like, the whole way. You would think. Yeah, but it was kind of cool that, like, I wasn't missing out on any of that information, and there wasn't one of those movies. Yeah. It was just sort of the first bit of the movie with him as the main Zorro before Antonio Banderas is in the picture. It's, like, pretending that there was this whole steeped history with this Zorro that we're seeing right here and it does a good job with that I think um I also want to bring up something that you mentioned in your intro of like this is very it's very Indiana Jones yeah it's very um and similar to Indiana Jones same with this is they're both kind of mimicking those old radio serial shows yeah and I think what's really cool is what you said about Indiana Jones, I think also applies to this. Actually, I think you also said that applies to this. Is like, if you take the score and the visuals of this movie and ignore dialogue and all that stuff and just like watch it, even just like forgetting about the score for a second, you're, take, you're essentially taking stories that you would have only heard on the yeah. radio and to give it a chance with the movie where if you just watch without the sound, it's like the complete inverse mm-hmm. Uh, experience but you're getting the same result and i think that's really really cool how when these serial-esque like homages to these old radio serials are given a chance to exist in movie form it's like the other side of the coin that we don't get with the the audio only version i think that's so cool and it applies to this in for example indiana jones like you mentioned but anyway yeah um this is a I think the you mentioned this, Carol. The, it's paced pretty well. I, I didn't feel the length at all, um, and yeah, uh, I'll leave it there for now. I'll pass it off to you. But those are my general opening thoughts. Nice. Yeah, I mean, I uh, have loved, still love this movie. Uh, like you guys said, you didn't give your recommends yet, Dan. Do you want oh, to give your sorry. recommends? Actually, yeah, um, this one's pretty easy. I think it's. I'd recommend this to. Um, I think this is a pretty easy recommend to most audiences, even younger kids with this one. I think kids would, well, I mean, you're proof of that. Yeah. <laughs> kids would get a lot out of, out of an adventure movie like this, but also older audiences as well. Um, if you like Indiana Jones, if you like Batman, as we've discussed, if you like, this is also, there are some similarities, or a lot of similarities to V for Vendetta, not in tone, but like in terms of like character and stuff. Mm-hmm. In fact, I really like having seen all of these now, the trifecta of Batman V and Zorro. Yeah, it's cool. so sick. Um, if you like any of that stuff, yeah, you, it's pretty easy to get a sense of what you're walking into with this movie. So um, that would be an easy recommend. And I think, yeah, I, I think there. I think it's pretty simple with this one. There aren't really. I don't see anyone being like bored by this movie. I think at the very least you'd have a good time. Um, and at and at best, you'd enjoy it very much. So, yeah, I I agree. Um, this is one of the easiest recommends for me because yeah, I do think like, and I'm living proof of, but I think like literally anyone can get some type of enjoyment out of this movie because it fires on every cylinder pretty well. Like even Carol, you were saying like there is an engaging romance subplot in the middle of this that's like in and of itself like fun and easy to watch. Like regardless if you don't give a shit about like there's truly like whatever you're whatever you want you can get out of this movie um there was one questionable scene that i won't talk about right we'll now. talk about it later i know i know the sure scene you know you're what talking I'm about. yeah i know exactly what you're talking about but other than that um yeah we'll talk about it later but uh yeah there there is uh it's just yeah it's it's such an easy recommend and like 
Yeah, I, 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 it's so funny to watch this as an adult because everything that I enjoy about it as an adult, I know for a fact I was missing when I was watching it as a kid, and yet I still loved watching it as a kid. It was, it blew my mind that after Zoro's, like, Zoro's first adventure in this, like, Antonio Banderas dressed up as Zoro for the first time is the third act. Like, there is an opening scene with Zoro, and then Zoro proper does not show up for the first, like, the remaining two acts, the first two acts in the movie, which, as a kid, I remember just, like, sitting through all that stuff, enjoying some of the, like, obvious humor, and just waiting to get to Zoro showing up. But now that's become, like, so much of my favorite stuff and all of that buildup, and then when you finally get to him showing up as Zoro, that is so satisfying. And it's it is, so sick. It's so fucking hype. That and whole, we'll talk... There's, the, there's a stretch of 15 minutes in this movie that is literally some of the hypest shit I've ever seen in my life. It, it gets me every time. Just that duology of both of them, like, exacting their own revenge and yeah. being so synergistic with each I other. Know. Like, he's trained him well, and this is the final, like, this is the their last chance to... It's so good. Yeah, yeah. I will say there is an extended action sequence that I wasn't bored by. Good. So, kudos to Zoro. Good. I think that's the difference for me, why I've, I've always really loved... I think adventure movies more than action per se although right now we are definitely living in a golden age of pure action movies which is great right you're john wicks and your mission impossible it's like we are living and mad max we're living in like the best timeline of pure action but um a lot of the stuff from this era that was more adventure based and even prior to this like with indiana jones and stuff it to me it's it's you're not moving from action set piece to set piece with the intent of the movie being the action they're very fun and they have a lot of heart to them and they have a lot of character to them and like that is what i find so enjoyable about them um especially as i've gotten older which is why this one for me as i've gotten older like i just love it because the 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 origin story is just so fucking strong and like the writing of that is so strong and then you couch that in like very fun throwback style filmmaking that in doing research and learning about a lot of the history of where this came from it even like there are like specific shots even like we laugh carol at very early in the movie there's the shot where zoro goes back to his house for the first time anthony hopkins zoro and he comes out of his zoro cave and he's he's chilling and then there's a shot of the wife outside his wife and it's like a shot of her and she turns to face the camera and it's like this very lingering like beauty shot of her with the sunset in the background which is like a very cheesy over the top like shot choice to have but when you again like contextualize it in this idea that what this movie is the sequel to and the soft, soft reboot of is literally like 50 years of like not just american movies but then cheesy pulpy movies coming out of like italy and spain and stuff like that that are that are these more like melodramatic borderline um telenovela yes that's exactly what i was gonna say it's very like a lot of the movies coming i've out seen of, jane the virgin i know oh there you go <laughs> a lot of the movies coming out of of zorro coming out of europe were very like telenovela type movies and stuff and so like to have some of those like visual throwbacks to that with the mom, or even there's a few scenes of Catherine Zeta-Jones as well, where they do that type of visual throwback. I was like, I don't know, there's just so much to get out of this movie, and like, fucking Martin Campbell just literally made the, like, third best James Bond movie, this, and then the best James Bond movie, fourth best, and then this, and then the 
best James Bond movie. Like, what a run of movies from Martin Campbell. Incredible. I can't believe it. I had... I forgot that he was the director of the of casino royale yeah when, when i was watching it's this crazy. i saw his name on imdb and i was like i think i've heard that name before but i don't know i couldn't yeah. like put in the name to a movie or anything so that's really cool what was the other james bond movie goldeneye oh yeah everyone loves goldeneye yeah <laughs> james bond was dead he made goldeneye and then he had the option to direct the sequel to it or do this because originally fun fact uh, this movie was going to be directed by Robert Rodriguez, which makes a lot of sense because he was making very pulpy movies um, and like pulpy action type of movies. And Tony Banderas was in some of them and stuff. And so that's Spy Kids and Spy Kids actually, yeah. So that seems oh, like yeah. that seems like a very fitting choice um, to really lean into the like telenovela style, like really go over the top with it. But I didn't get into the details and research of why he didn't end up doing it. But eventually, it ended up going to martin campbell who chose this over the sequel to james bond at the time and i think that was a good choice because then i think you, you still get he clearly understands the lore enough to like have a lot of those vibes and have it be fun and playful but then you also like the serious moments and the hype moments and the action moments all really legitimately hit and feel timeless and not like spy kids you know what i mean like every robert rodriguez movie feels like a robert rodriguez movie like this doesn't feel like that this feels more timeless than that well, that's the thing. I think, like, even in my opinion of it, because I didn't really know anything about it going into it, I wasn't sure if it was, like, a serious, serious movie, like a Christopher Nolan Batman vibe, right. or if it was going to be completely, like, over-the-top farce about it. Um, and I find that it kind of lies in the middle of those two, and that's why I was able to enjoy it more than I would, like... Like, I like, obviously, the Christopher Nolan Batmans for, like, just the cinema of it. Like, obviously, I've said mm -hmm. it before. I'll say it a million times. I'm not, like, a fan of Batman's whole story. Like, I'm not in it because I care about the lore of the Batman. Sorry, Marco. Um, it's just because I think those movies are good as movies. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are in the same yeah, boat yeah. as you. No, yeah, I know, that's I know. Not... But I'm just saying I'm a personal apology to you as a friend. Um, it's cool. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I like just, that this... I turned over and Marco was like... Yeah, hand in his hair. Stressed. God damn it. <laughs> no, I was actually thinking I can't fucking believe we're talking about Batman again I know. on this podcast. Well, <laughs> well I mean, this we, I know, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Batman I was bound to come up yeah. with it's gonna, Yeah, it's going to come up. Yeah, but. and so that's why I enjoyed this more because I was able to, like, laugh at it and, like, how it wasn't taking itself seriously. Yeah. But at the same time, it wasn't like, everything is a joke. Like, I did appreciate yeah. that of it. Because, like, as you mentioned, and we'll talk about, I'm sure, more later, like, yeah, some of the action was just genuinely, like, sick choreographed action like it was cool the sets were cool mm -hmm. like even some of the side characters there was bringing even, them back was really fun there were some poofy elements to it yeah. and i was fine with the poof <laughs> there's a whole poof sequence in this movie that there was great poof it was a good poof sequence <laughs> where do we start where do you guys want to start talking about this okay I mean, do you have any specific thoughts you want to get out yeah i actually meant to get this out when i was doing my initial like okay spiel. yeah go for it i forgot um well, first thing I want to say is, because you talked about the first scene where we see uh, Anthony Hopkins come back to his mansion, right? yeah. <laughs> and he comes through the fireplace, and that's when I was like, oh, you weren't just, like, mildly joking whenever you say this is just Batman. Like, this is <laughs> no. this is a Batman movie. We had like, that exact, just... like, back and forth <laughs> yeah. as we watched it. I was <laughs> like, oh, Batman's lair. And he's yeah. like, yeah, no, I said that. Like, it's Batman. And I was like, right, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, when he pulls, he rides a black horse. <laughs> Yeah. And he pulls it up into this, like, Batcave-esque. Literally a Batcave, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and, and like, no offense, but why is this a better Batman movie than Batman 89? I, I know, this is I, great. I said no offense because I know you have a soft spot. I, have, I mean, I have a, an admiration for the, the camp and the fun of it. But yeah, no, this is, hands down, this is... It's great. Um, I would argue this is one of the best Batman movies. If we, I was going to put it up alongside some of the other, most of the Batman movies with the exception... Better of, than the Ben Affleck Batman. That's definitely, yeah. Um, but no, the other thing I want to say is uh, I did have a problem... And it, it's you've solved it with your intro, but I'll just say I okay. had a problem with the fact that Anthony Hopkins, this white guy, was playing Zorro. Yeah. But then you were like, "That's a nod to the history of whitewashing white Zorro." Yeah. And I think that's so cool now that like it's so meta that they cast this white person to then like as the events unfold, he gets the he passes yeah. the torch to someone who actually like should be in the role, and like the whole meta ness of that. It, I just learned that now because cool, yeah. I didn't know that, but that's so cool. That's part of why I wanted to like have some of that context up front is because I knew there would be some questions about some of the casting or even again, some of the cinematography choices, but like, yeah, it is, it is very meta in the way that it's handling the lore and the mistakes made, but it's still like, like all those actors that played Zorro in the American adaptations are like very famous and those are very iconic movies. And so it's not, it's not like a hateful stance of like, fuck you for whitewashing necessarily but it is kind of like we're going to acknowledge that by casting another white person but like to gracefully transition over and be like this is what we should have been doing and also this is what the non-american movies have been doing the whole time is actually having you know not just white english people playing yeah don diego de la vega so <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> that's very cool and and the fact that he obviously takes the back seat so that it, we let antonio banderas like take yeah. full front stage and yeah that, that's all great i love that and i already mentioned it but their chemistry especially towards the end of the movie is fantastic they're so good can i ask a question Please. just because we're kind of talking about it and it's just like a stupid i don't know if it's like history question but so there's like the dawns yeah who what who are they what's they, up they i believe are <laughs> the rich people that owned land like okay. large portions of land yeah because i know the whole fight is like what the Mexicans versus the Spanish? Yeah, in so California? from what I understand, I just don't know history. Sorry, honestly, hey, I've seen this movie <laughs> so many times, and there are still sometimes that I'm like, yeah, I don't quite understand, like the because like that part is based on like history. It history. is no, this yeah. is real history. So I guess yes, there was a period of time where the Spanish um, owned land stretching from what we now understand as like. California in the U.S. all the way down through Mexico and they owned all of that and that was under Spanish occupation and so I think Zorro as a character again from my understanding has always been based in the idea of being from Mexico and fighting for the independence of the, that stretch of land in yeah, Mexico like to be back. its own thing because the Spanish people were just like yeah fuck it this is our land now yeah. so that's my understanding of that whole conflict um yeah. And so then the Dons are just landowners. Yeah, they're just okay. rich landowners, basically. Okay. But, but I so, just wanted to get that clear. Yeah. <laughs> so in this movie, if I remember, it's the... So, like, um, sorry, what's his name? The main... Bad uh, guy? Yeah. Raphael. Raphael, Don that's Raphael. right. Um, he is going to... Like, he's with the Spanish government. Correct. Over, overlooking, like where he is in mexico at the time yes they're uh, they're in california right not they're not just trying to buy it it takes place in california i think 
Yes. Or around that area, like. Yeah, it's around. It's around that area. I think okay. it may have been called like the Republic of California or something at the time, but physically, it might be in what we now understand is Mexico. But it was just like. Yeah, well, border, borders change. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, whatever it was called. But. So, it, Mexico or California was in Mexico's. Um, like possession, but Spain was looking to buy it. That was what in the movie what we see, right? Yes. So in the movie, because okay, the whole like cold open plot of like why he's leaving and stuff. I don't like again. I think that's like almost purposefully vague a little bit because it's sort of like he just has to leave that way he can come back. But like the actual main plot of what they're doing is mining for the gold to buy out the land with their own money. with their own money which yeah. is like very heinous but yeah so that's that's what he's doing is he's there from the spanish government i believe to make that happen yeah because i think at the beginning of the movie they had to forfeit it back to mexico yeah that's or yeah that's they were getting kicked out they were getting kicked out and he had to leave and really all that's for is so that um Diego's daughter can be away from Mexico for like however many years. Correct. Also, I love in that opening when he's... I think I wrote the line down, but... Like, you realize that this whole public ex- execution is literally just, like... To draw him uh, out. It's just a fuck you. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna kill these fucking people. He's like, who are these people? He's like, I don't know. I just fucking pulled them from yeah. the crowd. Like, it's literally just... And, uh, yeah, he says... Zorro says... Um, Anthony Hopkins Zorro is like, oh, you'd kill three innocent men just to get to me and he says i would murder a hundred innocent men and then killing you and i was like yeah sick bad guy but that's another great relationship where that whole cold open and obviously it does then lend into the trope of like the wife dying which yeah. understandable that is a very bad trope in a lot of superhero stuff is the um i forget what the term the is the innocent woman yeah there's die. there's a term like called fridging or something that comes from fridging. there was a very famous comic book where somebody's wife like was killed and put in a fridge and it was just like a plot motivation thing and so like in comic book culture whenever that plot happens people refer to it as fridging because like it's just like but i will say like regardless i think that cold open does a very good job of giving you again even if like as if this was a sequel like you buy this idea that these guys are rivals and that he actually loved his wife and etc yeah. etc et and like yeah it gives a lot of backstory it right? really is like very quick but easily digestible mm-hmm. backstory that then sets up the entire plot of the rest of like the revenge plot for the rest of the movie but it, it works really well again i thought until today i was looking up like before coming mm-hmm. over like the other zora movies and i thought that there was another anthony hopkins zora movie. you would think yeah no it, it that's that's the level to which the like the world building of it feels real mm-hmm. in that first scene is it doesn't just feel like a cheap throwaway thing it's like no this is the fucking this is the story of zora but yeah yeah no it's cool um should we begin at the beginning yeah, so, you I mean, know, I guess we already started. We kind of, I yeah. mean, we cold open, great. I think it's a lot of fun. Zoro's last, OG Zoro's last adventure. I, I think they the did. The little it. kids helping. Yes. Murder people. Yeah. Also, fun fact, <laughs> the, very, the very first shot in this movie, because there's, like, text on black, and then the text goes away, and then it's just black, which is revealed to be the cloth of a tent, and you see a little kid oh, yeah. cut out the eye holes as if it's a mask, and that's young Alejandro who becomes... Zorro. So that's the first shot of the movie. Um, they used their big brains on that one. <laughs> but I thought you were also going to talk Marco, about... you're going to hurt your big brain if you keep tapping yourself. I love this pen. Sharpie. i got to hold a pen down. It's a marker. It. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought you were, when you 
said the first shot of the movie, I thought you were talking about the James Bond style. Oh yeah, the, the Oh my god. Yeah, like we classic... I have a note about that. Yes. I just wrote the intro exclamation mark and then he has a cape. <laughs> Do you think that was like because and, and of... there is tap dancing question mark. <laughs> well, that's just the music. Yeah, but do you think that was because of his work on James Bond? Or is that like a Zorro thing? I don't. Imagery? I truly have never seen any Zorro media outside of the Antonio Banderas Zorro media. Like, I know the history of it, but like, I have no clue if that's actually a Zorro thing. I have a feeling that was Martin Campbell just being like, <laughs> ah, James Bond. I love that we both chose selection series films in which there's been a hundred <laughs> yeah, different interpretations of it, and we have seen none. But also, these are. <laughs> Like, inarguably the best ones. Yes, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, have you seen the sequel, actually? I have. Oh, okay. That's why I said it was trash. So <laughs> I, I didn't know if you, like, just knew it was trash or if you'd actually seen no, it. No, I, I have. And as a kid, like, Andy Zorro was good Zorro, so I just, I watched them all kind of both back and forth all the time. And then I think my first time really watching them as an adult, I remember being like, oh, okay. Well, one of these is a real movie. And then I just haven't seen the sequel since. But okay. that was probably until like 10, 12 years ago now. It's a long time ago. But um, yeah, it's just... It's not... Just don't worry about it. Just Puss in Boots and Shrek 2 is the sequel to this. Is Catherine Zeta-Jones still in it? Oh, yeah. And, and <laughs> she has to be a... She has to be a quote-unquote strong female character. And I say quote-unquote strong female character because it's just like the generic... like. She has to have her own subplot now that's, like, like... They didn't even try, like... It's, like, integral, not in a... Like, her plot in this movie, despite the the very, like, classic shooting of her of, like, this beautiful woman, her plot in this movie, every scene she's in in this movie is, like, integral to the actual plot and develops the plot forward, and she always has motivations in what she's doing. But in that movie, she has, like, a literal plot point where she's, like, a part of the team now, and she's, like, doing a thing, and it's just very shoehorned and dumb and like not at all anything interesting and it just stands out in the middle of the movie as like oh okay i see what you're doing but it's bad that was actually one of my favorite things about this one and like as we mentioned there's a scene i'm sure we'll discuss in detail later but like i liked that although she was raised by this like evil man um who she thinks is her father but isn't like she's still acting of her own will like every time you see her interacting with Zoro, like it's not like there's a moment where she's like oh i should tell my father about this encounter like she's just like oh i'm gonna talk to this man of whatever we talk about i'm interested in him i'm not gonna have to like think about who like what side i'm choosing i don't know i liked that she was just doing what she wanted and it wasn't a whole like oh no, my father is going to hate me for this. Yeah. How do I choose between love and my parents? And no, yeah, exactly. I, I like that that wasn't a part of it at all. I completely agree. I actually, one of the things for this rewatch in particular I was trying to be more cognizant of was that character. Because obviously we, as you've gone older and stuff, tend to like pay attention to that stuff more in representation and et cetera, et cetera. So I was like, okay, like I really want to pay attention to what her character does in this movie specifically outside of just, like, be in love with Zorro. But she has quite a bit of stuff to do. Like, every almost every scene she's in in this movie is her trying to discover something about herself or about the world around her. And But not for anyone else but herself. But for herself, yeah. because she feels wrong, like, being in the relationship that she's in with her father. And I thought, it, I, even a scene that, like, I always forget happens, but the scene with her and Anthony Hopkins when she just thinks he's the, like, Antonio Banderas' um, servant or whatever. 
and they're just chatting, like, brushing the horse. And, like, that was a very good scene, and I think there was so much of her character revealed in that scene where she's talking about how, like, my father says that my mother was all prim and proper, but, like, I doubt that because I don't feel that way at all, and et cetera, et cetera. And I, I think Antonio, or Anthony Hopkins is so fucking good in that scene, and he's like, no, she wasn't like that. Like, it's very, it's a very touching scene, but, like, everything that happens with that and her, like, getting the scarf from her um, previous maid, which is a fun little callback to have that character come back, like, and then again, yeah, I, I thought it was refreshing that her falling in love with Zoro is actually motivated somewhat at least by this idea that she feels repressed by her father's expectations and that Zoro is like almost metaphorically the idea of like adventure which is what she always feels like she's been called for and that comes up a few times in the story and it's cool and then it, yeah I, I just I thought that was very interesting, and then let alone, like, you get to the actual end of the movie where she's literally a part of the plot, where she lets Anthony Hopkins out, and she is helping to do everything or whatever, in a very natural and integrated way, and not a, we're gonna make a strong female... Emily Blunt, I think, had a great quote recently about this, where she was like, anytime I see a script, and it says, like, strong female character, I literally just stop reading it, because I just, it's the most, like, it's become a caricature of itself. Yeah. Like, the idea of a strong female character is now just, like, a bullshit way for men to, like, not have to understand and, like, takes women's opinions into things and just be like, yeah, she's just, she's a badass. She's a strong badass. Whereas this is, like, very well motivated and makes sense. Like, all her choices in this make sense. It's great. Yeah. Like, a strong female character should just be a strongly written character that is female. That's a woman. Yeah. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. it's not like she should have, like, the label of I'm the strong <laughs> no, female character. Exactly. That's exactly it. And I think that's... Like that's what... a button. <laughs> yeah, like the name tag. I'm the requisite strong female character in this movie. Yeah, I think she's great. And even, like, the scene when they're talking politics at the dinner table, which is so... There is so much Batman Begins in this movie. I thought the exact same thing. And, the dinner scene, yeah. That dinner scene is quite literally the scene from... Like, Christopher Nolan... <laughs> this guy just be lifting because remember when we were watching the animated series and like the whole scarecrow fucking thing was lifted from batman oh yeah Begin- like he just he was like what's every good batman thing ever and i'm just gonna collect them all and put them in this but yeah like in that scene she's like standing up to them and like saying her opinion and stuff and actually like not just saying her opinion but like being correct <laughs> and then also when the, the her dad is like woman's understanding of politics like it's very clearly like you're not supposed to side with him you know what i mean like the movie does a good job of showing that and not having it feel shitty and stupid and just like a requisite inclusion and that she just vaguely falls in love with him and the movie ends like it's all very very well motivated yeah for sure um but one thing i because we were originally talking about the beginning of the movie like right off the bat i was so impressed with how good the action was in this like yeah 98 movie not that 98 was like a lifetime ago or anything but i just feel like the standards for action sequences have gone so far since then Mm. in modern action movies but like this was really good action for that year oh yeah and and not to discount amazing action movies that have come out actually that was a point i wanted to make is this reminded me a lot of like the best 80s action movies like die hard for example this actually, in in the best way in general, reminded me a lot of an '80s movie, even though it was a '90s movie. Like it just yeah. felt like an '80s action adventure movie. It had that like that heart 
but also like the grit and the realism and and just the ties to indiana jones like those yeah it's movies. very indiana jones yeah it has a lot of those sensibilities and vibes to it and also like it's good yeah as opposed to a lot that of is stuff important. that came out in the 90s and early 2000s which was a lot of junk but like yeah no i i can completely see that yeah but yeah i'll agree the action is great and i think it's so good that even though it is pretty few and far between when you really stop and think about how far you go in this movie without having proper action scenes that it still stands out because when there is action it's like this is fun like that first scene when he fucking whips all the guns and like pulls them aside and is just sword fighting them and jumping from the top platform to the down platform i'm like holy shit like yeah they really fucking thought about this this is well put together swordplay like this is very interesting to watch yeah i will say one thing that i do find and like i know it's probably a callback to something but like the standing on the horses is something I feel like I see a lot in action. I couldn't tell you one specific instance of me seeing it, but it just feels like something that's been done a lot before. And for some reason, it's a little cringy to me. Just like fighting on like one horse to another and then standing on two. I don't know. It, like It was still like interesting to watch, but just something that I'm like... Why do I feel like I've seen this a hundred times? You probably have. I mean, it, that seems like a very, yeah, like a very, like, classic type of action scene. Yeah. It's like the, the OG version of a car chase, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure, I, I also can't think of a specific example, but I'm well, sure it's Well, it's also kind of like in Raiders of the Lost Ark with the horse and car chase. Yeah, it's no, like that's, both. yeah, it's, it, that's exactly, yeah, it, it's a very, I don't know why. Yeah, but it's, it's a, it's a classic type of trope. I get what you mean. Also, I will say that horse chase i know we're jumping ahead but like that horse yeah. chase scene not that it's like like it's a well put together chase scene and it's whatever whatever um but yeah that is that is to me the most like almost like standalone insulated like we are doing an action scene now scene in the whole mm. movie and i was like okay i agree yeah but it was yeah. still enjoyable like it was a well choreographed it was impressive it is impressive yeah, yeah for but, the year um but, but i see what you're saying yeah, yeah for sure yeah yeah. But just while we're still on the action, like the whole continued action sequence at the end, and even just the length of it, despite the quality, they're like on top of the quality of it, like it was very. I forgot that I was watching a movie pre like the modern era of I action know. movie. You know what? You know what I mean? Like yeah, it, it's very, it's very well paced and motivated and executed, and everything looks very good. Like. Yeah, I like looks cheap. <laughs> I like that set of the mine. Yeah, it's a really cool final set piece to have it because it gives you the different layers as well. So you're like transitioning up, like so you don't literally just have the planes of action of like old Zoro and young Zoro, mm -hmm. but then you literally have like different physical planes of action as well, and then the two planes like collide at the end because the minecart that's carrying Raphael falls yeah. on Captain Love, which is a nice little touch that their their stories collide in the end. But yeah, I know it's super cool. Yeah, and it's like it. It also makes for a nice little like action set piece jungle gym. It kind of it reminded me of in uh, the Princess Bride. Yeah, that set that they built for the sword fight between mm. um, Inigo and Wesley. I was gonna say it gave me almost like Planet of the Apes vibes. Maybe because there were like slaves and there were also <laughs> ape slaves no, in Planet of the Apes. There's a lot of like wooden structures <laughs> yeah. in Planet of the Apes. I yeah, get that. I don't know. It also gave, that was the first thing I thought of when I saw the fight at the end. I, I can know. see that. Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. It's kind of <laughs> Koba versus uh, Caesar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it has those vibes. Bit. It has those vibes. Um, but yeah, it reminded me of that set that they built for Princess Bride where it's like they purposely built the most interesting like 
all the like rock stuff yeah. and like and stuff you can swing off of. Yeah, yeah. 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 and it reminded love me a lot a swing. of. <laughs> oh yeah, you gotta love a good those swing. acrobatics are great. Also, uh, for video game fans in the audience, um, it reminded me a lot of Red Dead Redemption One. So oh. take that as you will. That's Some, someone will get that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> that is very interesting. Um, yeah. that that game for context takes place on the border of uh, America and Mexico in oh. that time period. <laughs> this should make a Zorro game. Is there not shows. one? I there, mean, there probably there is. must have been a movie tying game for an action movie like this. I'm sure, but I mean, like they should make like a now Zorro game that's like good, <laughs> like the Arkham style, but with oh, Zorro. That would be, be so sick. Good. So good. Do people still care about Zorro? Okay, we let's get into that at the end. <laughs> Mark. <Okay. laughs> I do, Carol. No, I, I have some facts about okay, that okay. we can get into at the end about, like, the franchise and what was maybe going to happen and what sure. might still happen sure, and what's sure. definitely not going to happen. Okay. Um, but, yeah. Uh, what, what was I... Okay, so we talked about the the whole intro and the motivations of Don Raphael. Pretty evil. Just takes this child and is like, I'm yeah, going to raise it. Pretty horrible. Pretty yeah, and, good. like, kills the woman he supposedly loves. Yeah, sure, sure. I did like... This movie is so good, though, at setup and payoff because... If you remember, at the beginning, when they're fighting, the wife dies because one of the henchmen goes to pull the gun on Anthony Hopkins, and then they have that exact same staging at the end, and um, Don Raphael basically gets in the way, and which is just like such like a small, like dumb thing that you you don't have to do. Like that beginning scene doesn't have to be a setup. Like it can just be an understanding that this was a mistake. But the fact that they actually pay it off in the end and show that all these years later. And despite how much he hates Anthony Hopkins, like, he still has remorse for that situation, I thought was a nice little character moment. Because, like, Don Raphael is very evil. Like, very cartoon <laughs> villain. But, like, to have those, like, just slight touches of actual motivation in there. In human moments. Yeah, like... it really rounds him out a little bit. Um, unlike Captain Love, who is just the devil. But, like, yeah, Don Raphael he, gets a little bit of rounding. He really looks like Ewan McGregor. I was in my head referring mm. to him as Ewan McGregor the whole time. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. I never put that together, but I could see that. Yeah. Um, question, though. So, mm -hmm. um, in the end, when Diego dies, was it because he got shot during that one encounter? I think so. Uh, when he was, like, faking yeah. holding his daughter hostage? Okay. I, 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 I've always took it to be as, yeah, he died from the injuries okay. of that. And he was old. As we <laughs> yeah, I mean, he just died of old age on the battlefield. He worked really hard, you know? His heart maybe just couldn't take it. That's fair. He, he was moving was around. He reunited for... with his daughter. His life's purpose was met. Yeah. He could slip away peacefully into the unknown. <laughs> into the abyss. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was a good scene. Okay. Good scene. Uh, yeah, I just wanted that clarified because I... I must have missed it, and like I was just wondering why he decided to die at that time. Decided. <laughs> it's quick. It's you know what it is. It's a reverse shot. Like it's Anthony Hopkins is you. You see him facing. get shot, but you're facing his back. Yeah. So he kind of like gets shot and goes like. This I thought quick. maybe he dodged it. Yeah. You don't actually like. You can't see the bullet hit him fully, yeah. so you kind of just have to assume that he got shot there. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of an odd choice to not see the actual bullet hit him, but whatever. I mean, yeah. That's that's what it is. Um. I also have one question about the sequel um, oh, sure. not it's kind of off topic but i did read that um alejandro changes his name to the last name of diego uh de la vega yes and i think that's i, I said question it's not a question it's a statement <laughs> i think that's kind of cool especially now knowing that these two movies were directed by a james bond director 
of that sort of like passing on the name. Yeah, yeah the like that is basically it's it, with the mask you pass on the name of like the legend of, and it was even called the Legend of Zorro, right? It the was sequel. called the Legend of Zorro. Um, and it's also obviously that's very Batman like as well. It very V. It's all of these things where it's just like you become the symbol. So I thought that was really cool. And I just wanted to mention that. Uh, I have a fun fact for you guys that I discovered, which is that uh, Alejandro de la Vega is actually in the OG Zorro lore, the name of Diego's dad. So in this movie, because it was about Diego primarily, because in the OG Zorro lore, like his dad's just alive and he's just like, hey, I'm a rich guy. And like Zorro's like the young man. So, so the fact that like his name is Alejandro is just like a nod to that basically, that it's like the inverse. Like he is now like his father, which is just a cool, like a cool little thing that I didn't know. But when I stumbled upon that, I was like, oh, that's nice. That's cool. That's cool. I also read apparently the brother character of Alejandro, Joaquin, I think his name is. It was like a real person. Yes, so there, uh, there's a little bit of history behind this that I didn't fully read, but you guys should explore, that basically there is a real historical story of this guy named Joaquin that, like, gets killed by this guy named Something Love in some mm. battle, and this was, like, a thing that happened, and so they kind of, like, tied that into this by making Captain Love, like, this fake version of that person, but he kills Zoro's brother, which is a nice little... And that is the, like, inciting... His inciting... That's cool. Yeah, it's yeah, it's nice cool. Nice little historical uh, backing, backing up of events. I love when movies can, like, intertwine with real history. It's so cool. But, uh, speaking of that scene, though, we should talk about the brothers that were there that day that saw Anthony Hopkins last time be Zoro. Oh, when they were younger? Yeah, they were younger. They got the necklace. They got the little necklace. And then they grow up, and they're going around with Crazy Joe, and they're just fucking... Doing Scamming crimes. people, doing yeah. crimes. I love it. It's so funny. Such a great moment. That was a nice twist, too, when we think that he's just, like, uh, taking them in because, like, of, of a bounty or something. Yeah. And they're working together. So funny. What was his name? Three Finger something? I think it's Three... F- Is it Three Finger Joe? Is it actually Joe? It can't be. Do I have Maybe. I, I, I No, I just say the white guy in my notes. <laughs> I, I think it's... Anthony Hopkins? Yeah. <laughs> no, the other one. Dumbledore? <laughs> <Stop>. <laughs> Which one? Yeah, exactly. Um, that scene has one of my favorite lines, though, when Joaquin takes the gun out, and the guy's like, I thought you were tied up. And he's like, it's because <laughs> yeah. you're stupid. <laughs> I laughed so fucking hard at that. <laughs> you know what I also laughed hard at was uh, during... A, Maybe one of the first training sessions when, um, like, Alejandro's playing around all fancy with his sword, and then, like, he just waits for Diego's move, and he just, like, slaps the sword (laughs) away. Yeah, so good. The timing on that was really funny. Everything about their relationship at the beginning... Is such good comedic timing. Which okay, let's let's just say like. I also like, just love him like bathing him. Yeah, like, like literally, him. he's just because Alejandro has like no life skills, yeah. and so he's just like, all right, I guess I have to teach you everything. But that is. Oh, another thing was when, um, like he's getting ready to fight because like they're arguing about something. <laughs> he pulls out the sword, and Diego pulls out the spoon, yeah. and yeah. I thought he was actually gonna fight him, like he was gonna block <laughs> with the spoon. I was like, damn. You but then he's like, it. no, I needed to go to be Bruce Wayne and go to this dinner. <laughs> yeah. And be social. Another fun little moment, but also a nice little twist. But that that whole first training montage, well, first of all, him, like, beating him up at the bar is fucking hilarious. Yeah. He's like, I could fucking kill him right now. I've never lost a fight. He's like, yeah, except to you an just old did. cripple. <laughs> you fucking asshole. That was very Ra's al Ghul. 
there's a line that he says there, I didn't write it down, that is very Razzle Ghoul. But I forget, I forget what it was, but he says something and I was like, oh my god, another Batman begins. Like, he just pulled him out of the pit of despair. But, yeah. that whole um, initial training montage just has such, like, there's so much great humor. There's, like, a bit when, after the first, like, sword hit bit, when he's, like, freaking out, there's one where they start going very slow and he's like, okay, slow, and they're doing the movements very slow, and, and then Anthony Hopkins is like, Good, that was very good. And then Antonio Banderas is so proud. He's like, thanks. Like, he's he's taking it so seriously. But then, like, him doing the ropes course. Oh, my and God. And the cut to Anthony Hopkins just drinking and be like, yeah, just do it again. That's cool. Or the He's fucking, like, that was perfect. Do it, do it again. again. Yeah. Well, my absolute favorite that I send a picture to Rob every time I watch this movie because it's our favorite. Like, we just laugh so hard at is Antonio Banderas doing push-ups shirtless over a fire, while Anthony Hopkins is using his back as a goddamn footstool. Yeah. I, like, that is one of the funniest training montage visuals ever. Like, it gets me every time. It's so ridiculous. But it's also not just for the sake of a joke. Like, that's... No, he's literally, like, it's building intense his strength. strength. Yeah, yeah, and trying to get him to, like, function under Adding pressure. extra weight onto his back, yeah. Oh, it's so good. I love all of that. That humor, like, this movie is so funny, but it also, the humor in it is so, it's very, like, visual and slapstick. Like, there's really great lines of dialogue that are funny, but there is so much great, like, visual humor that's just timeless. Like, everything in that training montage is just fucking hilarious to watch, like, even without the dialogue. Like, it's so good. I, I love it so much. And the humor is, like, it's organic to what's going on. Like, they don't step aside and say, like, okay, we need to make a joke here. Like, yeah. It's not the James Gunn thing, like... Well, because it is a bit of a ridiculous scenario to just, like... Exactly. Pull a guy off the street and be like, Hey, I'm gonna teach you how to sword fight, but also shave your face and cut your hair and bathe like a human should. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good times. But, uh, I guess the next, like, sequence sequence is when he steals or not steals but he just makes his own like bullshit mask and like oh yeah and steals tornado bill. goes out to get a horse he's like every yeah. zorro needs a horse i gotta go get a horse where he meets elena for the first time yeah i was gonna say where does this fall i know at some point they're in a church together that's right after this fight. okay that's so, what i was gonna say because that i dubbed the fleabag scene yes I thought yes yes yeah obsessed very good <laughs> But yeah, they meet for the first time, and he's being very flirty, and she's like, whoa, who's this sexy mass man? And then he, you know what I love about this scene? Again, nice visual joke, is in the cold open, after saving the day, Anthony Hopkins rides his horse to the top of the thing and does this very badass pose on the horse. Yeah. And Antonio Banderas tries to do the same thing, but he just, like, awkwardly runs up the stairs and, like, flips his cape and runs away, and it's so fucking funny. But, um, yeah, this is a great, like getting by by the just by a grit action scene yeah. or just proto a proto zoro action scene very fun what i found funny about the um confession scene was how like he escaped through the top right yeah but you could just plainly see I... <laughs> the roof of the things like from your level standing outside yeah, yeah. <laughs> when like did... she stands up and you can see her whole face yeah like so when funny. did that happen but so funny that's good i also thought of fleabag and yeah um yeah. Well, especially the sexual tension. How could oh, you not? Oh, yeah. I was just waiting for someone to say Neil. If <laughs> only. If only. It's okay. We had another scene that was just as sexy later. Oh, we had a very <laughs> sexy scene later. But also, that scene has some great, like, just some great banter between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Which is like, I broke, 
I broke like the worst commandment. Or no, no, no. She's like, I broke the third commandment. Oh yeah. And he's like, oh, you killed somebody. And she's like, no, that's not, that's not that commandment. And he's like, okay, so let me ask you this. How did you break this? How, how would you say that you broke the commandment? <laughs> this, the most holiest of all the commandments. How would you say you broke this? It's so funny. Like just trying to get out of the scenario. Or like yeah. she's he's like she's like it's been three days since my last confession. He's like, how much could you have done in three days <laughs> before he realizes it's her? Yeah, that was what I was trying to think of. I couldn't remember the line, yeah. but that was really funny. Yeah, it's so good. <laughs> um, but then yeah, after that, I think it's the dinner scene, right? They take the horse back, and he like ridicules him. Oh, this is the scene where they fight, and he takes out the spoon, right? Yes. Okay. Also, very importantly, he like like whips the mask and the cape off of him, and he's like, oh yeah. He's like, Zoro rides again, or whatever. I carved the fucking Z in the thing. I'm Zoro now. And he's like, no, no you jackass. <laughs> he's like, you can't just put on that mask and call yourself Zoro. Like, that's not how it works. Which is important setup for my favorite scene in the movie later. Ooh. We'll get to it. I'll say it after. But anyway, yeah. This is now the, the dinner party. Real quick, where did he carve the Z in the horse escape? I don't remember. As he's leaving, after the place, like, he sets fire to the place. He just carves it, like, in a barn or something. Like, oh, that's where yeah. he's by. He's like, ha-ha, and he, like, carves it and <laughs> rides away. Oh, and there's a whole sequence where, yeah, he, with the gunpowder and the guards of the horse. Yeah. Yes, yes, yeah. And then he goes into the hiding. And then, the, yeah. yeah. Okay. And then he, yeah. Cool. <laughs> then, yeah, you can't just wear that mask. Don't be a jackass. Now I have to teach you a bow charm. <laughs> Very funny. And then he shows up in his puffy clothes and his little tiny little mustache. <laughs> It's so good. Yeah, which is later revealed to be, like, fake, and he takes it off. <laughs> Carol's reaction to that was maybe the biggest reaction I've ever seen her get when we were watching. She was like, what the fuck? That's I thought it was real. I, I, I did, too. I did. No, you would. Like, you absolutely would think it's real, but it's just, like... Because there's a shaving scene, so I thought he just shaved it yeah, into exactly. that. And uh, because it's what um, Diego Zorro had. Exactly. So, but, so funny. Um, yeah, this is great. This is like a quintessential Bruce Wayne scene. Um, it literally is just the Batman Begins scene at the hotel, yeah, but it's so like good. The like, minimal disguise changes everything. Yeah. yeah. I Actually, that's a good point, too. So, going back a little bit, mm -hmm. when, um, when Anthony Hopkins is in jail, like this is after the time jump, after he's been caught, Yes. how come he wasn't, like, I, I would have thought he would have been recognized by the guy instead of that other guy that they like he picked as like that's him that's Zoro. yeah i think the idea is just supposed to be that it was like so long and he was so battered and like that so, Raphael just didn't recognize him did but, they have like, a history before what we see in the prologue I mean, or do you know? Like, it's impossible to technically answer, but my take is yes yeah. because he says like. Seems like they were fighting over the at least the girl for. A while. Yeah, because he's. Oh like, yeah, that's right. Then after like, that, they were just fighting over like, don't take this land. Yeah, piece don't of be a, shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there, yeah, yeah. there are levels to it. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, yeah, but do I guess the better question is like, how many times would Raphael have actually seen Anthony Hopkins with the mask off? Yeah. yeah, and if it was true. truly just like maybe once or twice, then I I buy that a little bit more. It's probably just that time at the end when he goes to his house and steals his dog. Yeah, because that I mean that clearly is like the first time he's confronting him, where he's like, "Yeah, you're yeah. a asshole." So like, I guess that would probably be the only time he's seen him. 
And actually, yeah, Anthony Hopkins does kind of play that scene as like, oh shit, nice to meet you. You want to stay for dinner? And then he's like, no, I'm gonna you are, yeah. kill your wife and he take does, your child. He tries to Bruce Wayne it a little bit at the beginning, like, yeah. I'm, I don't know what you're talking about, but it lasts five seconds. <laughs> he immediately like, gives up. <laughs> he just kind of knew, yeah. I, I, I found that kind of cool how both Diego and Alejandro were like, both of their nemeses could could instantly recognize them but it was hard for them to and it was like they were on the line the yeah. whole time of eventually captain love does recognize him and yes but um and then like when anthony hopkins shaves and becomes like more he gets rid of his beard and everything he i can't remember if he gets recognized or no he just charges into his place and like the whole thing is revealed when he goes to confront like he get, tries to get his dog yeah yeah he does just like go in and attack him basically and just like yeah. the curtain is up yeah, yeah. he's like haha i'm still here yes right and also right. you're my daughter <laughs> yeah yeah and i also like that how he's like it's enough for you to know i don't care that i'm gonna be locked away again oh like, i love she knows she now, knows so yeah I oh that was so good that's such a great moment and i also love how she confirms it because it ties her entire plot together where she's not like she doesn't say because when she first lands in Spain with Raphael after the prison scene, um, someone brings her flowers and she's like, these smell familiar or whatever. So, but she doesn't say to him, like, what flowers were hanging over my crib. She specifically says what was hanging over my crib. And he says they were flowers. They were these flowers. So there was, like, clearly no, like, for him to guess that yeah. Yeah. would be complete bullshit. And that, that, like, specific choosing of the line and then, yeah, the follow-up of... She knows Raphael. Like, uh, it's so good. Such such a great fuck you moment. And similarly, I I this is dialing back, but when they arrive in Mexico, like, and she arrives for the first time since she was a baby, mm-hmm. I like that whole like that was going to be the return of Zorro, but that their arrival put off the whole thing, and we almost wouldn't have gotten Alejandro's like next generation yeah. of Zorro. Yeah, and the whole like the. The hype of the crowd in that scene was very cool. Mm-hmm. Calling for Zero, so yeah, I liked it. No, it was great. But also, like, what it, I love when he's like, "Whoever fought for you," and they're like, "Zoro." Yeah. <laughs> like, why would you even set yourself up for that <laughs> asshole? Like, you knew that was fucking coming, you dick. He was there. Yeah, like you would. Li- you literally fought Zoro. You know Zoro fought for these people. But yeah, no, that's a that's a great scene as well. But yeah, uh, the party scene. Get some more context about the actual plot and plan and mm-hmm. Alejandro just being a smooth Ontario Banderas sexy man and like flirting with Elena. And the just dance. Shit that talking. was also that was so Bruce Wayne and Catwoman. Oh, that was so yeah. <laughs> I do love that scene though. That's a great scene. Where he just steals her from Captain Love, yeah. It's that also was, yeah. Oh sorry. No, no, go ahead. I was just gonna say that was something I kind of forgot about was that Captain Love was like initially trying to like it was him right that was dancing with her yeah to trying to be with her i guess for that one scene yeah i appreciate that they don't like make it a we're Love fighting triangle. over this woman yeah. thing it's it's just like because they have enough of a history as it is exactly yeah it's literally just that scene where it's more like a dick measuring contest where he's like no like you were trying to dance she was succeeding i'm gonna dance with her but i do i like how I, like he cuts in they dance a little bit but the whole elaborate dance scene is motivated in the plot because all the men that he's supposed to be, like, infiltrating and spying with are leaving, which 
Diego was like, don't let them leave the table yeah. without you. And Diego comes in and is like, you fucking asshole, they're leaving. And so that's when he's like, holy shit, we gotta do something crazy. And so they do this, like, big elaborate dance to get their attention and stop them, which ends up working. But, like, again, would have been so easy to just be like, these two love interests are now gonna have a sexy dance. But instead, it's, like, actually motivated in a plot why he would do that. Yeah. Yeah, so, I will say, like, though, a hot girl dancing with someone... Like, it usually is the hot girl dancing with someone to distract, a la, like, Wonder Woman. Or I don't know if anyone's seen Get Smart recently with Anne Hathaway and Steve I Carell. can't say I have, Carol. I can't say I saw it a long time ago. <laughs> it's really funny, as far as I remember. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of over that, but I do appreciate that it was in the other direction, at least, a little bit. Like, he was the one pulling out the sexiness to distract, and no, it wasn't it, just her. Yeah, exactly. It was more like, it was less about, look at this hot girl, and more yeah. like, hey, look at me being an asshole and, like, dancing sexually with your daughter. Yeah. Like, please come talk to me. Like, give me attention. <laughs> Which, yeah. Please it, come talk to me. It was great. It really worked. And in the scene, I made a note <laughs> about this, but since we're here, like, there is like Antonio like we've talked about the performance in this are all great and Antonio Banderas is so fucking good in this but there's a scene in particular here when right after the dance when you like he's just you can see him like thinking of ways to not get Don Rafael to leave where he'll like say something and Don Rafael turns and you see him like have to think quickly and say something else and it happens like two or three times and by the end he's like fuck okay like I literally tried everything and then Don Rafael is like Eh, why don't you come with us? It's so great. Like, it's it's just... God, he's so good in this movie. I love it. Yeah, because when he, like, did the dancing thing, and, like, Raphael looked angry, but then he pulls him into the meeting, and that's when we get the meeting right with the giant map. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The announcement. Yeah. Um, of that they're going to try and buy California. And that was, like, he was in the circle, so mm-hmm. that was cool. Um, but then after that, I think, is when we get the conversation with uh, Diego and... Um, Oh my God. Elena? Elena, yeah. Yes, right? yes. That's when we get that conversation. And that's simultaneous with Alejandro going to the mine. I think those two happen at like the same time. Oh yeah, where Three Finger Joe dies. Yeah. If his name's Joe. <laughs> I don't know. We can talk about the, the that father-daughter conversation. It's great. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. And I will say one of the things I wanted to point out, again, talking about, I guess, like the more like classic cinematography and like the beauty shots of the women is they do they shoot her in this and a few other scenes and they do that very old school thing where like people talk about it as like like the like vaseline on the lens where it's like (laughs) it's like not quite in focus it's like a little bit blurry to create that like yeah it's very soft focus and they do use that which obviously is noticeable again like with the shot at the beginning where you're like (laughs) why does this look like a telenovela but again it's like Okay, that's the point. I understand you're going for that visual style. But yeah, I mean, this whole scene is great, and they're both really, really good in it. And even they have such good chemistry together. Everyone in this fucking movie has great chemistry with each other, but yeah, them I, two I are incredible. That scene is, like, so touching. And I also like that you were talking about this, the soft-focused style. I'm, over the years, been, like, an increasingly, an increasingly bigger fan of that. Ooh, okay. Rather than... I just, like... We've watched we've watched a lot of Marvel movies. Yeah. And like all of those are so I'm not the first person to say this, but they're so lacking in the cinematography department because of what they are. Like they are just they're the fast food of movies obviously. But like they're so sharp in their focus that it's becoming annoying. Like I like a little bit of I like that softness. It's yeah. very visually appealing, especially for 
a romantic scene like definitely like about. you definitely benefit more from a soft focus than nice an extremely... shallow depth of field yeah camera terms <laughs> um i can pretend that i have I'm the knowledge of the cinematography. <laughs> yeah. but yeah i um <laughs> well i really liked i mean i'm an ad- advocate for that since we're talking about batman things on this podcast um but that was one of the things that was really great about the cinematography of the new batman movie yeah. too is they use that like that uh, effect sort of around the lens where everything was very blurry on the outside. The and vignette. Then, yeah, the vignetting look. Yeah, it was cool. So yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I appreciate those types of visual choices, even if it is a bit more like classic looking. At this point, I'm kind of like just down for something that looks good and different and, and fits the vibe as opposed to this looks like it was shot in perfect focus on a camera yeah. camera yeah. in an airport. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it also contributes to why it felt so much like an 80s action movie. Yeah, I agree. And I also noticed it in last week's episode movie, Little Women. Uh, I, I noticed the same effects employed in the cinematography. And that's yeah, like yeah, you're right. Yeah, especially like in, I would say, like the cottage cozy, but we're not yeah. talking about that right now. No, we talked about it last week. Yeah, last, last episode. No, last, last week. Well, who knows when it's coming. True. Okay, sure. There's still two other episodes that haven't come out yet. God knows. Unknown amount. Yeah, okay. You're I'm right. so sorry, guys. No, that's not you. We still have the other episode. We just haven't fucking listened to you and I. But, um, okay, so. Anything else you guys want to say about that father-daughter scene? Or should we talk about Crazy Joe's death? If that's his name. <laughs> I think. Ready for Crazy Joe, yeah, I think. Yeah, I think. We, we, t- we jumped ahead a little bit before and talked about the father-daughter scene, so. Okay, yeah. good enough. Um, so if his name is Crazy Joe, this is, this is what I was kind of alluding to where like he shows up as this like farce character, but then he ends up coming back and having this like really poignant moment in the movie. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. Uh, And there's the cool line of Captain Love being like, it's funny. I shot that guy in midair twice and thought (laughs) I killed him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why does he have the sickest deaths in this entire movie? It's so true. Yeah, I really didn't expect him to come back, so that was a little fun twist. Every character that has, like, any... Even the, like, tiniest bit of screen time comes back. The priest comes back, he's in the opening yeah. rally, he comes back. <laughs> Fucking the maid... I, I, I'll I, be honest, like, literally, on this rewatch, I'm not just making this up, when, at the in the cold open area, when Diego comes in, I... And he walks in, and there's, like, a woman with a baby, and he's like, oh, you can go, you can leave, whatever, go get my wife, whatever he says, I forget. I was like, oh, I always, for whatever reason, I just remembered it being his wife. I was like, it's very weird that they, like, had this middle person. Until later in the movie, when the maid shows up and is like, hey, I was your maid, this is bullshit. And I was like, oh my god, they really did, like, everything is, like, motivated by something in a way that makes sense. There's, like, no wasted screen time in this movie. Do you think she was his Alfred? I mean, I, I guess, yeah. I guess she was Alfred. Um, yeah, so then we get the uh, the death of three-fingered Joe or Jack, whatever his name is. Oh, you know what? I think it's Jack. I thought, I knew it was Jay something, but then you said Joe, and I was like, that could be right. But Joe doesn't feel like the right time period. Yeah, I think it's Jack. <laughs> no, because remember they do that song where they're like, I don't know, it doesn't matter. I'm pretty sure it's Jack, though. Okay. No um, one's going to look it up. We're just going to call him whatever we want. Yeah. The guy with less fingers than usual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he cuts off his hand. I mean, this doesn't happen directly after, but yes, we find but... out that he, like, makes wine or something out of his opponent's body parts. Yeah. Oh, God, he preserves yeah. them so he can drink from them to gain their power, which yeah. is, like, a apparently, like, 
some culture ritual that they would do. That was an interesting twist. Yeah, I think it. I think it helps a lot to give him like an identity of his own as an antagonist. Yeah, he's not just like a hired gun. He really is like a sicko. Yeah, yeah. like he takes pleasure Very in this. Sick. Yeah, but also just a again like really fucked up but tough scene where Alejandro in that moment has to like Stare not just yeah. not just oh. keep his cool, but then also like drink from it. Yeah. Just for the sake of being like, no, I'm not that person. Just to like preserve the secret a little while longer. You know what I mean? Like I'll throw you off the trail a little while, a little while longer, as much as I can. Because he definitely he pulled that out to test if it was if his like theory was true, right? That wasn't yeah. just a coincidence. No, no, no. Yeah, because he I think he even says I don't remember if it's in that scene or if there's another scene, but he makes reference to like even if you aren't the other Marietta brother. He says that line of dialogue to him at some point. Okay. I think it might be that scene. And then that's when he's like, well, I'm good not, luck. And he, yeah. like, takes... Oh, uh, yeah, because he's like, good luck finding the other brother. And he, like, grabs a swig and drinks it. That was really cool, though, because it's just, like, the extent that he goes to drinking yeah. the brine of his uh, brother's head just to keep the... Just, yeah. yeah. Like you said, keep the secret alive just a bit longer. The dedication until... to the cause. Yeah. Um, but I was fully expecting him to spit it out when he walked out of the room in the yeah, next scene. Yeah, I know. And he but didn't. He didn't. I would have. He just breaks his cane. <laughs> that right. is one not wasted shot, but just kind of like okay, because there is the sh- there's the shot of him walking out, and I also am always expecting him to spit it out, but he just goes ah, and he breaks his cane, yeah. and I was like, all right, or like throw up or something. Yeah, it's so weird because I guess he swallowed it in the room, but like puke, yeah. please, <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then we pretty much go into our like final act or the final battle, yeah. right? Yeah, because this well, this sets up. The scene between Anthony Hopkins and Alejandro. Oh, yeah, when he goes... Or, sorry. No, he, I was th- saying something else. Well, I know what you were about to say, but that, that also then, like, sets that up, and then everything just happens. But, like, the two of them are talking, and he, like, explains the plot, and he's like, yeah, he's gonna buy a thing from the thing and do the thing. But I really love this... Well, you know, it's just the plot. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah, sure. The bad guys are gonna do bad guy things. Like, yeah. he, But he explains the details of it. And he's like... God, this scene's so fucking good because you can tell like Alejandro's like at his breaking point and he's starting to break down. And there's this really fucking sad moment where he's like, "I miss my brother." And Anthony Hopkins right away is like, "Your brother's dead. Like, you you have to stay focused. Like, we are right at the end here. Like, you." Ha-. And this is immediately after he had to do the whole head in the jar yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they're like they're going back and forth, and he's like, "Okay, like, can you find your way back to the mine? Like, we have to figure out how to do this, etc., cetera, etc." Cetera no i can't but there's a map he's like well you have to get the fucking map like we have to stop this from happening and he's like no like i want to fucking kill captain love and he's like no you can't anyway i wrote down the line because it's my favorite it's so it's such a like hype moment but he goes again just like at the um, at his absolute wit's end yeah so just to set it up perfectly okay <laughs> earlier in the movie when after he comes back from stealing the horse um, the line specifically from... Oh, is this what you were talking about before? Yeah, the line okay. specifically from Diego is, you think stealing a horse and scratching marks in a wall makes you worthy enough to wear that mask. And then in this scene, Alejandro, who's breaking down, says, how can I do what what is needed when all I feel is hate? And then Diego says, you hide it with this. And he fucking unfurls the mask. And then we cut to, like, the like it is the most validating feeling... When we cut to the bad guys just having a bad guy drink at their like house and being like, we're bad guys, we're winning. And the fucking alarm bell goes and they run outside and the field is on fire with yeah. the Z. 
Holy shit, it's so sick. And that reminded me of Dark Knight Rises. When, uh, <laughs> I think I brought it up on that podcast, but yeah. I think it's... you did. Went with the, yeah, the fire bat. But because yeah, I think what you said was that one, like this has a purpose, but that one just didn't. It yeah. was just for the sake yeah. of having the bat symbol, like the yeah, oh, yeah. return of Batman. But that was, this is actually a distraction to bring everyone outside. So Zoro can get in. Yeah. And steal the map, right? Yes. And then also, again, just in the hype of like, He's fucking here. Zoro's here. And there's that sick moment where Captain Love is like, listen, we, we triple the guards, whatever we do, we're going to find him. Don't worry about it. He's just one man. And Raphael's like, he's not just one man. That's fucking Zoro. And it's just like, like the absolute like desperation in them to be like, no, please. Like Zoro's back. Like it, you shouldn't like Zoro is again, like such a joke, like pulp character of like, ah, swashbuckling. To get to this point in the movie and have it be, like, a legitimate, badass, hype, like, superhero action moment where you're like, let's fucking go, he's gonna fuck shit up, and everyone is, like, afraid of him, it, it's just, like, incredible, like, build-up to get to that moment and have it all pay off like that. It is very much what the same director did with James Bond. No, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. Like, James Bond, pre-Daniel Craig, was just a super pulpy-esque like yeah i mean silly yeah like just uh you know uh light-hearted 80s action well before the 80s but action movie yeah. type thing and daniel craig his movies come along and it's like very introspective to the bond character and actually trying to turn him into a character no exactly make it like well motivated like it, it that moment the like how can i do when all i fears feels hate you hide it with this and the like that's not just one man that's zoro like that all reminds me so much of the end of Casino Royale. Like, the... Obviously, the Bond James Bond moment, but even him talking to M and being like, the bitch is yeah. dead. Like, it just, like, the way it all, like, comes together in this really sad... Like, it's all fucking sad that... That him becoming Zoro is contingent on this idea of, like, ah, you're broken enough as a person. Okay, good. Now you can be Zoro. Like, that's sad, but that's also such, like, classic, like, superhero... And also, um... What's, what's the word I'm looking for? But, like... When you, like, look up to something... Role model? Not role model, but when, when you're living... I can't think of the word right now. I'll think of it later. But, yeah, like, I, know, I also can't think of the word, but I know what you're talking about. Like, you're aspiring to be, like... Yeah, it's like it's almost like... I don't want to say hero worship, but, like, it's not hero worship. It's What I'm trying to say is... It makes people... Like, so much of what people like about superhero stuff is feeling like the minuscule or not even minuscule but like the problems in their lives like can somehow be metaphorically like related to a superhero thing and so the idea of like hey like i can i feel empowered by a character that's going through trauma doing cool shit right and i think like classic zoro stuff wasn't really about that at all but this takes a very modern superhero and just like good character approach to the idea of no, 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 like, this is a person that is dealing with their problem and overcoming their problem, like, using this thing, which is so much of what makes people like superheroes. If I think of the word, I will edit it in here, because it's, like, a <laughs> phrase that people use, and I can't think of the phrase, but it's, it's like, the, the reason why everyone, like, flocks to superhero movies. It's, like, like, live through that and be like, I wish I could overcome my problems the way these people overcome their problems. So you mean, like, writing them with humanity to make you like see yourself in them yeah is, is that what you're trying to yeah like an yeah escape kind of thing yeah almost like escapism i guess yeah. yeah where it's like yeah yeah something like that 
Like, ah, oh, wouldn't it be cool to, like, have trauma, but then be able to be Zorro and... <laughs> be Zorro and my trauma will be okay, because I can kill people and stuff. Be Zorro and contain my anger in a mask, but then make out with Catherine Zeta. Yeah, no, exactly. That sounds like the best life. Fight. Oh, yeah, we didn't talk about that scene yet. <laughs> oh, that's well, coming up. Coming that's coming up. up. Yeah. So he raids, he raids oh, the house. Oh, was that after? I thought we skipped it. No, 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 it's coming up. <clears throat> First, he raids the house. Again, incredible action scene. Fucks up everyone, just taking on multiple guys at a time, fucking them all up. Oh, yeah, this is the scene where he dual sword fights with Love and... Yeah, uh, and Raphael. Yeah. That Great. was cool. I also love when he when he first has Love in the hallway and the other guards come, and he's like, drop your swords, turn around, bend over. <laughs> I love just the look they give. They're like, what the fuck? And Captain Love is like, fucking do it, okay? Great. Um, but yeah, this scene is awesome, a lot of fun. Again, like we've been talking about, I think like really all the action scenes in this movie have literally like multiple levels of action like this one is starting from the top of the platform and then goes down and there's like a tree that he ends up like swinging around a little bit oh, yeah. and like yeah so there's lots of cool like dynamic things happening but this scene ends in carol's favorite way i know this was her favorite shot of the movie as zoro goes running by a, a door and Catherine zeta jones like pokes her head out of the door and there's <laughs> this like really like long shot of her just being like what like what's happening right now <laughs> And then we cut to Carol's favorite scene in the whole movie. Take it away, Carol. They just, like, sword fight and, like, kiss and, like, sword fight and then she's naked and then they, like, make out in such a disturbing way. Like just, So much tongue. The tongues are just so deep. I'm really surprised neither of them, like, gagged. Like, it was, it looked painful. An aggressive amount of time. Yeah, it was, it was a lot. And so then going forward every time i thought they were gonna kiss i was afraid <laughs> but wow. their follow-up kiss wasn't bad it was just that one time because i remember at the end marco was like oh they're gonna kiss again watch out it's just as bad and then we're like oh actually it wasn't it wasn't it, it, wasn't. Wasn't. it wasn't that so first kiss it was just that one bad. time i don't yeah. know it was the heat of the moment i guess maybe the passion of the battle i don't know but it was it looked violent i can I didn't like it i can live with the kiss i it was everything that came before that was very it it felt like it didn't really belong in this movie because like everything else was. That so was the one like questionable like, scene. Yeah, like even when I said like it felt like it was towing the line between like complete yeah. farce and serious action. Like that was the one time where I was like, no, this is just farce. It's too like, farce. Yeah, it could I, be. I imagine it could be like in a comic show, like a Family Guy esque thing, just like because of the unnecessary nudity. Yeah, it's and, just like, silly. why would that ever happen in a battle? Yeah, like that was the one thing where I was like, I don't know who pitched this. Here's what I. Here's she what didn't I, have to get naked. They could still maybe like sword fight and make out. It's but, like, Zeta Jones. That 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 was very like '90s movie. I know. Yeah, to me that's where the. Yes. Yeah. Not that I'm saying that's a good yeah, thing. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. where the age did show. Absolutely. That is that is like what this whole movie would have been if Robert Rodriguez yeah. directed. <laughs> yeah. It would have been that scene. I here's what I'll say. There are elements of the scene that I like. Mm-hmm. I do, is this the scene you were referring to when you Dan when you said like a questionable scene earlier? Yes. Okay, yes. yeah. I th- this is when I pick this movie, I was yeah. like, oh, we're going to have to talk about this fucking scene. <laughs> Cuz even I can acknowledge that it is questionable and weird as much as I love this. Here's what I'll say. I do like, first of all, the idea that um, we're still backing up the idea of Elena, like, searching out Zoro and, like, longing for adventure, and that's the reason why she falls for him. And so the idea of there being a scene where she shows up and she's like, hey, you stole from my family, that's not cool. But then very quickly into the scene you realize, no, she's there because she's fucking horny for Zoro. Like, I think, like, conceptually... That's cool. And I think, like, at this point in the movie, it's definitely necessary to 
expand their really their relationship beyond a hypothetical because otherwise it would be fucking weird if they end up together at the end so like to have them actually like have that moment and kiss and whatever in this scene in some form makes sense to me i think she just didn't have to get naked everything else would have been perfect yeah yeah i do find and they didn't have to kiss so intensely sure obviously let's fix one thing before (laughs) and i also think the tone of the scene could have been slightly pulled back yeah like i love i love the like intermitted kissing during the fight because that felt very funny where they're like battle 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 and they get close to each other and then he would kiss her and she'd be like what the fuck bro but like also not like actually what the fuck yeah not like like we the last thing we need is a baby it's cold outside discourse about this scene you know what i mean like she's yeah. clearly into it you know what i mean yeah but, like i get they were flirt fighting every, actually, yeah every couple play fights this whatever. was this is foreplay for yeah. them it reminded me a lot of in daredevil yeah 2003 <laughs> yeah <laughs> electra and daredevil it yeah. definitely did yeah. but yeah like this was I mean, choreographed All they needed better was than that. <laughs> oh, but yeah, like I think her showing up, them having some type of fight, and then kissing at the end—cool. Yeah. Like needed for the moment, I think works for everyone's character motivations. But even just like at the start of the fight, when she like she takes the sword out, and there's the shot of Zoro where like you just see the sword like pop up from out of frame, and I was like, oh my I god, didn't even notice that? I, I literally, I was like. Uh, and there's like the music sting with it too, and I was like, "Is this a? Are we actually doing a boner joke in this Zoro movie?" We like, are. It's just it was too much. It was too much humor. You're absolutely right. They really needed to scale back the tone and just just let it stand on its own. It's like a fun. She's here, but we all know why she's really here. They have a little fight. The kiss is gone. Like that's all we needed in this moment. Yeah. Because yeah, it was also out of character um, for her to initially be like, "You can't steal from my family." Like, why would she care? Our, the character that we know her as as of now like she would really she would not care if, if especially because she likes this guy like she wouldn't yeah. care if he stole anything so it yeah that could have been cool if like she said it and then he called her out on it you know and he was like that's, that's not why not, you're here yeah and she was like yeah you know what i mean like that would have been a fun little interplay or even if maybe maybe the other way around maybe he had said like you really give a shit that i stole this and she was like no that's not why i'm here like that would have worked too but yeah, yeah like there it just mm. <laughs> like a few a few more drafts in the scene you know what i mean just tighten it up a little bit i think bit. everything it needed to be was in there and there was just too much extra just just yeah. kind of just we're gonna that we can fix it in editing the topher grace cut, the topher grace cut. it's just this exact we're movie really keeping it busy <laughs> topher grace can you just put this entire movie on an editing timeline most personal friend topher grace can yeah. you do us this favor friend of the show can you keep everything the exact same and except? just take out like a few shots during this scene and like get rid of the boner joke get rid of the nudity yeah maybe one of the kisses maybe one of the kisses and yeah. that's that's it and like reduce the amount of time as the last of the last kiss yeah we don't need to see that much yeah. of it yeah cut it before the tongue gets too deep yeah and then we're pretty much all that's left is the finale. That's it. We got the horse chase, which we already talked about. Oh yeah, about. I forgot this. That was that close to the end. Yeah, because yeah. that's on his way to the mine, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because I have a note saying you'd think he would learn not to get knocked off his horse, which a second later he's then standing on two horses, and it's like make up your mind: can Zoro ride a horse or not? I think it was more <laughs> the horse's fault though, because like the whole movie tornado seems to be like a very <laughs> against him. Yeah. Yeah, it, like not a very skilled mount. <laughs> But uh, that's what I, that's the yeah, I feeling I got from I get it. it. Um, but it's a cool scene. I know we talked about how it's like the most unnecessary action scene, but, the, but it, it, it was exciting. But it does the mine too. Yeah. yeah. It still works. Yeah. Yeah. And then the mine, which is, again, a great final set piece. 
added stakes that they're gonna blow up all these people so there's literally a ticking clock yeah in the scene. when you were talking about like watching this as a kid and getting more out of it as an adult like were you thinking about slaves as a kid when you were watching this like you probably <laughs> no, not. Right? no 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 I, I literally as a kid it was <laughs> just it was one of those things or i mean like were you conscious as to like the, hmm. the weight of, <laughs> were you conscious as to the weight of what it meant to like like as Make a kid you're probably not you're probably not thinking too much into that like that's something as an adult you're like oh yeah and they're enslaving hundreds of people yeah. and that's part of the stakes not yeah exactly like not to the not in the like political sense that's what i mean yeah like, like you know what a slave is working for free but... <laughs> and obviously it's like okay they're gonna blow up all these people that's bad you probably shouldn't kill this many people but like to yeah. understand the context of like they came to this country, took these people, made them do this work, and now they're fucking killing them. Yeah. is very fucked up. To steal their land um, with their own money. Exactly. Yeah. Again, fucked up. But then also, like, I think my experience watching this movie as a kid was sort of having it on, because it was always on TV, fucking someone, my grandparents, my mom, whatever. It was always on TV, and sort of just, like, popping in and out to see some of the humor, some of the interspersed action. But then really, like, when Zoro first shows up to the end is, like, my... Which, again, is so funny to think about because that's the last 25 minutes of the movie. Like, is literally... So, my... The majority of what I watched this for was less than a third of the movie. But then coming back to it as an adult, like, all the political stuff and a lot of the character motivations and the revenge plot. And even just, like, the origin story. Like, this is such a good start-to-finish origin story that I was like, holy shit, there's, like, so much more in here that... <laughs> It just completely goes over your head as a child, but it's still enjoyable as a child because of the slapstick and, and all that and the boner jokes. I've had the same experience with so many movies of like, I remember watching them as a kid and asking my mom to fast forward to the exciting parts. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this movie is so long. I just want to watch the exciting parts. And then like now I look up the movie on IMDb or something and it's like, oh, that movie is an hour and 29 minutes. And that was long for me. Yeah. Like, it's crazy how just being younger makes the movie feel that much longer because you just have no patience. Yeah, but, definitely. Because well, you don't care about, like, the emotion. I know, and then you go back and watch it as an adult, and it's like, oh, that's the best part. Of, yeah. Yeah, no, I totally feel that. Absolutely. But yeah. That's it. It's really sick. I think I mentioned it already, but the duology of, like, both Zaro's... Is duology a word? Yeah. Is well, it? I think it, it I is. Think it is. I've heard it used in other contexts. Wicked. Um, New word. Or I guess... <laughs> Actually, you know what? Duology is like a trilogy, but with two. So it's not really appropriate for people. But you you get what I'm saying. Ooh. The pair of... The duo. The duo, yeah. I guess. The yeah. duality. Sure. The duality of, of man. That, that's all I think about when I say the word duality. <laughs> anyway, of both Zoro's exacting their revenge, like, synchronized, and this whole, like, awesome action sequence intercutting between the two of them, uh, it was a great time. Yeah, it's a really... definitely my favorite part of the movie. Like, it's such a strong ending. Yeah, yeah, it does not. It never it wavers for a second there with the fucking the boner scene, but then immediately it's like. Oh no, I mean like at the mine. Oh no, exactly. It's like the whole movie's great, and you're like, uh oh, and then it's like, no, 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 and because you get right into this like awesome final set piece that's really, really great. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No, I I I also love this scene. Also fun that it's like El Dorado because I feel like just in life i hear that talked about City <laughs> the of road to el dorado yeah yeah so having that be the gold mine fun fact one of the writers on this movie on mask of zorro uh did a lot of writing 
for other stuff, including like animated movies. And he actually was either I don't remember if he was the sole writer, one of the co-writers of the Road to El Dorado animated movie. Which I don't know if you guys have seen, but it's, as a young child, I also watched it as a young child, and it's very funny. And I might watch it again soon because I like that movie. But yeah, just funny that he like wrote that movie and then also was like, Haha, "I'm gonna call it El Dorado in the screenplay." <laughs> yeah, I, I took that as a nice little like just a nickname because like that's where they get the gold from. The gold, yeah, yeah, it's cool. It's cool. Did we? I can't remember if you mentioned uh, we didn't mention the Spielberg connection, did we? We did it. Let's do it right now, baby. If we're thinking remember. of the same thing, it's just a very minor <laughs> yeah, thing, right? He executive he, produced it. Okay. He almost directed these, though, right? Uh, I think he was, yeah, involved around the time of, like, Robert Rodriguez and stuff, but it just, he ended up then staying on as a producer. Okay. Yeah. Sure, I remember that. <laughs> it came up in the credits, and you were like, wow! Yeah, but it, it was not a big enough wow for me to remember it three weeks later. Okay, Sorry. Fair enough. <laughs> That's all I've been thinking about. <laughs> But it's enough for all three of our movies to have a Spielberg connection, and that's the important thing. Yes. Check. You can, and I also think, like, it's not just, like, he vaguely executive produced. Like, you can feel the, the influence. Raiders' influence yeah. on this. We've, like, we've talked about it. That has that vibe, so. All right, guys, I have some miscellaneous things, and then if you guys have any miscellaneous things, and then maybe we can end by throwing in the potential future. Was there a, mm. Oh, yeah. The tease we might be happening. All right, uh, yeah, music, we already talked about, uh, cool score, very unique, but fits the vibe of this movie very well. Uh, yep, 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 talked about that, yep, 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 <laughs> yep, uh, I know you're not happy to see me is so Batman Begins. Where, where's that line from? Is that when Diego goes to confront him after the fire Z? <laughs> I don't know, where is this from? Like, right before he tells the daughter the truth? No, because I, I have these quotes in order, and the quote after oh. this is the, if I, if you want to kill this man, I can teach you how. Which, mm. by the way, is the Batman Begin quotes I'm thinking oh, of, okay. where Ra's al Ghul says that to, says something vaguely to that effect. But if... Before that, then... I know you're not happy to see me is so Batman Begins. What the fuck am I talking about? Is it in the prologue? No. Oh, me... This is, sure? after, this is after I thought you were tied up. That's because you're stupid. So it's after that, and it's before... Also, just while you're thinking of that, that whole, like, Alejandro starting as this, like, nomadic swashbuckling guy is so Bruce Wayne at the beginning of Batman Begins, just traveling from prison to prison and stuff. Um, but yeah, I don't know. We're, I was going to say it was during that um, you're so stupid moment, but it was after that. It was after that and before. It may be in the same scene. <laughs> Probably. But I just don't know why he would be saying, I know you're not happy to see me. And I also don't know what I'm referencing from Batman Begins. That <laughs> I don't know. All right, moving on. Uh... <laughs> hey, everyone. Marco here. little editor's note. I just wanted to let you know that I did remember what the hell I was talking about. Uh, it's the scene when Raphael lands on California again um, after everything that's happened where... Anthony Hopkins is like originally planning to kill him and everyone's like cheering or whatever and he's like ah stop your cheering I know you're not happy to see me and I referenced that to Batman Begins because there's the scene in Batman Begins when Bruce Wayne is like pretending to be drunk to, to get everyone kicked out of his house and he's like 
Yeah, that's the thing about being a Wayne, just a bunch of freeloaders, stop smiling, everyone get the fuck out. So yeah, that's that's what I was talking about. Um, it is a very vague similarity, and probably did not bear repeating, but I did not want to leave the mystery, so there you go. <laughs> oh yeah, in what way did you break the most sacred of commandments? Very funny line, gets me yeah. every time. Uh, yeah, we talked about the mask thing. Oh yeah, okay, this is another Batman Begins, but this is the actual quote from the dinner scene where he says, certainly not this Zorro creature, he probably wears the mask to hide his bald head, which is like verbatim Bruce being like, I don't know about this Batman, a guy that wears a mask clearly has issues. Yeah, and also it's kind of like the Harvey Dent one in Dark Knight too, when they're talking about the mask Batman. Uh, yeah, I already said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All of these came up naturally, which is good. Uh, yep. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, okay. And then I just have a joke, which is that the... Uh, <laughs> joke. The, the fire explosion at the end, when the mine blows up, looks better than all the fire explosions in Avatar 2. Boom! <laughs> get fucked, James Cameron! Did you see Avatar 2? Don't. Did you see Avatar 1? No. Oh. You're good. When it came out... You're good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Don't about it since. Um, do you the guys? Future. Yes, but also Batman connections. I feel like I would be remiss not to give a quick history of how this and sure. Batman are intertwined. Sure. But do you guys have any questions before that? Any final thoughts on this movie in particular? It was a great time. I think I got all of my specific points out in discussion, but uh, yeah, it was a really fun watch. I'm glad. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, I agree. Really nice bookends showing, I guess, every Zorro lives the exact same frickin' life with <laughs> Just a like wife James and Bond. a baby. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, that little epilogue. <laughs> literally yeah. exact same as the prologue. Um, yeah, good good time. It was cute. Was yeah. that in the same house, too? I don't remember. I think like... he inherits the <laughs> yeah. house. You... No, but no, no the house burns down, so it can't but be. But so did Wayne Manor. Unless they rebuilt it brick by brick. brick. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like the same room, if I remember correctly. It, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe it, they must like have rebuilt set, it brick by yeah. brick, Carol. I don't know. And, you know, ending with a little Z as well. I wonder, I wonder, I mean, they must have actually had, like, Anthony Hopkins and then Antonio Banderas at the end, right? Like, Anthony Hopkins does it at the beginning and Banderas does it at the end. Yeah, I mean, you can't see, but that would be cool to think that they did that. Like, why else would you do that? Yeah. Because Anthony Hopkins was, his wasn't on fire, right? And then uh, Antonio Banderas's was, I think. I think Uh, the first one was just, like, a tear, because then you cut to the cutting in the fabric. Oh, that's right, the cutting in the fabric. Mm. Yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. And then the, yeah, well, the credits have that weird, like, fire and very yeah. strange font and the Mark Antony song, and it's just a very strange <laughs> vibe at the end of but this But isn't, uh, I think I noticed the song, like, it's just a lyrical version of the score, right? It's a lyrical version of at least, like, the love ballad in the score. Yeah. Because then, like, the score plays after that song ends, and it's, like, the same melody, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just, it, interesting that they ended it and maybe it had to do with the marketing at the time that like maybe they really pushed the romance stuff because to like end it with the love ballad but i guess you're also coming off of like they have a family now and a kid so maybe that's why they chose it might be weird to cut to like an action like the zoro action theme carol any last thoughts before we nope okay (laughs) Alrighty. so uh at the time that uh, Bob Kane and Bill Finger, the creators of Batman, mostly Bill Finger. Bob Kane is a hack. Um, he's a piece of shit who ruined Bill Finger's life. 
and we should not respect Bob Kane. But at the time, the two of them, mostly Bill Kramer, were making the character of Batman. Um, would have been in like the 30s or something like that, mid to late 30s. And so they were very influenced by a lot of the pulp stories and obviously the OG Mark of Zorro movie. So they used a lot of influence from that in structuring the character of Batman. Obviously, rich, billionaire, double life, cave, where's black, et cetera, et cetera, so on and so forth. Um, and then that, like, theme had always stayed present in Batman comics for a very long time. And then when Frank Miller was writing Batman in the 80s, he canonized that Bruce Wayne was watching the second Mark of Zorro from the, uh, I want to say, 50s or 60s. I can't remember now. I had it rained down in the intro. But the first remake, whichever, whichever one that second Mark of Zorro was, is the film that Bruce Wayne was watching in the theater with his parents. I that just, only started then? Yes. I thought Frank, that was since, like, they the never beginning. They never said what movie it was. And Frank Miller, being like, these assholes completely ripped off the character, was like, well, let's actually acknowledge that in a subtle way and not only just like reference the fact that like inspirationally that's where they took inspiration from but like also in universe narratively maybe that's why bruce does the things he does is because he was into zorro as a kid but it is also funny just another thing to point out that as time has gone on enough time passes where there is always a new zorro so like technically like every version of bruce wayne can have a version of zorro that he saw as a kid that makes sense that he would have seen as a kid because back in the day, it was the fucking 1920s one, but then you have the one after that, you have the 70s one. And at this point, if they were to make a new, like, you know, fucking Robert Pattinson's Batman could have seen Marco Zorro, or Mask of Zorro. Ma- Marco Zorro. I said Mark, I said Mark. He could have seen uh, Mask of Zorro. So yeah, Antonio Banderas right. could be Robert Pattinson's Zorro. I like to believe that. That's I would like true. to believe that too. It's yeah. my, yeah. Yeah, I would also love to believe that. That's really cool. Yeah. So, uh... To the future now of the Zorro franchise. As I said, there was a sequel that did very, very bad, and the franchise was put on ice. Obviously, Antonio Banderas playing Puss in Boots. Kept it alive Kept it in alive. some way. <laughs> and apparently, Puss in Boots 2, fucking phenomenal. <laughs> I, it has like a high 90-something on Rotten yeah. People are loving this goddamn movie, so I need to watch it. But <laughs> Let's like, push for Shrek 5. Now's the time. Oh my god, let's do it, baby. Shrek 5. Um, but yeah... So there was talk, like the franchise was dead, and then I remember when I first started like listening to film podcasts and stuff, and like just film news, there was a lot of talk about doing a new Zorro reboot, but it would be like like a futuristic Zorro. It would be like Zorro, but like in the v? future. Not even V. Like, like Blade like, Runner? Like Jason X. You know what I mean? Where it's like the future, but like Zorro's there for some reason. But like the same person? No, it'd be like a complete. Like a okay, because that would make no sense. Yeah, not not Antonio Banderas, I believe. I believe it was going to be a whole new reboot, a whole new concept, futuristic sci-fi Zorro, and then that never, as far as I know, like it just was in development hell, and like everyone was like, "This is dumb. Let's not yeah. do this. This is a terrible idea." Famously, uh, Quentin Tarantino in twenty, I want to say fifteen. Is that when Django Unchained came out? Twenty twelve. Wow, Django Unchained. It's old. Fuck me. Anyway. Um, that the Hateful movie, Eight was 2015. That was also a Western. That might be what you think. It was definitely Django, though. Because I remember specifically, like, that movie came out, and then sometime after that, maybe it was during the promotion of Hateful Eight, he had said that he had a screenplay. Yeah, I think it was during the promotion for Hateful Eight. That was 
a Django and Zorro team up movie. Oh, and wow. that he wanted Antonio Banderas to play Zorro and have it be a team up movie. That's so weird. And That's a crazy idea. That never happened, but I believe they either are making it or already have made it into a comic book. They've adapted it into hmm. a comic book. So somewhere out there, you either can or will be able to see the story of Django and Zorro. I think it's already released, but you guys can look it up after oh. if you want. Wow. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, so as far as I, <laughs> as far as I know, uh, other than that, the franchise is currently still doesn't have any like active development happening. Although we've now reached a point where enough time has passed that people are... there. I've heard like some clamor from people I listen to on podcasts and stuff who are like somewhat connected to film that like there's people out there that want to make like an old man Zorro with Antonio Banderas at this point to like bring him back and do like a a, a last hurrah James Mangold Logan like you know what would be cool what's is that? a Batman Beyond style passing of the torch where we have like the initial flashback of maybe some digital de-aging if necessary yeah some old some young um Alejandro yeah and then like we jump forward decades into like a more modern like it wouldn't be modern still but it would be like just like in the scope modern. of things like probably like i don't know um 1940s or 30s or something sure and this like new generation in like modern times of how azora would go in in that type yeah of that would setting. be so cool and like the the land has been more like like there's more development and like it maybe less desert more like city stuff mm-hmm. i guess it would be more batman-y but it is the inspiration for batman yeah i think that would be that would be great you could definitely do something like that yeah, I would, so that's, there's nothing, as far as I know, active development, but those are some possible future plans that might happen, and if you want to read that comic, go ahead and read it. I've never read it. I've heard I don't think I want to watch a Django Zorro movie, though, yeah. if that ever were to happen. I don't think that's for Yeah, me. I'm cool to just keep <laughs> Zorro really out in the universe. I've heard the comic is very good, though. Sure. Like Did Quentin Tarantino, good. like, help make it? Yeah, I think they literally used his screenplay and just, like, he worked with a comic writer or something and an artist to just, like, yeah. adapt it into a comic book. And apparently it's very good, which is unsurprising. Tarantino's not an untalented writer. Yeah. He's just a fucking creep. But, yeah. and also, like, is a very bad editor. And, <laughs> an actor. An actor. And racist. Well, he's a good racist. Thanks again for listening to the Future Life Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean a lot to us if you liked this video, give us a rating and review. If you want to stay up to date with the latest episodes of the podcast, you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Make sure you hit the bell to be notified when we post a new video, or follow the podcast on Spotify. If you want to connect with us directly, you can follow us on Instagram at FeatureLengthPodcast, or even send us an email at FeatureLengthPodcast at gmail.com. Catch you on the flip side.